Well, a charming little passage for us to be looking at on Mother's Day. I'm not sure what you thought when, we were, when you were in Bible study during the week, but wow, it would have been an interesting church to be a part of, the one in Corinth. Uh, but we're going to pray and ask God to help us uh, to be the church that he wants us to be. So let's do that. Now, Father, we do thank you that we have your word. We have you that it challenges us, encourages us, and sometimes even shocks us. And we want to pray, Father, that you would help us to learn from it so that we might be more and more the people that you want us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In our society today, freedom is seen as being one of the highest ideals that you can have, one of the highest values that you can have. But freedom is something that you have to use wisely. And freedom can be a dangerous thing. When I was in high school, like probably a few other people here, uh, this was one of the books that we had to read, uh, Lord of the Flies by William Golding. Uh, a group of people, a group of uh, well-to-do English schoolboys are involved in a plane crash and they end up on this tropical island, stranded there with no adults to supervise them. Schoolboys, able to do as they please, complete freedom. And as the story unfolds, these children start to stretch the boundaries of what they should or shouldn't be doing. And gradually, they become complete savages. When they have their freedom to live as they want, their freedom results in the death of two of the children and a complete blurring of the lines of good and evil. Freedom can be a dangerous thing. Freedom is something that you have to use really carefully. And freedom is what stands at the very heart of this passage that we're looking at today. The Bible says that there is a wonderful freedom for those who are followers of Jesus. But as we'll see, freedom can be a dangerous thing. And freedom is something that you have to use wisely. Um, at the beginning of chapter, chapter 5, if you've been following through in the Bible study groups, you've done chapters 1 through to 4, it's a dramatic change that happens at the beginning of chapter 5. Paul has heard reports about the church in Corinth and there is one report that has absolutely stunned him. He's heard that they are tolerating, possibly even boasting, about sexual immorality within the life of the church. Go back to the beginning of chapter 5 and look at the first couple of verses. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man sleeping with his father's wife. And you're proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? And then in verse 6 he says, your boasting is not good. It sounds unbelievable, doesn't it? I mean, how in the world could that possibly happen? How could they be boasting about sexual immorality within the life of the church? But it's probably not so much the, the sexual immorality that they're boasting about. What they seem to be boasting about is the freedom that they, they think they have as Christians. Now, I'm sure that it shocks us to think that that kind of thing could be happening in a church, but this is Corinth. This is the King's Cross of the Mediterranean Sea. 
They're living in a city where, sick, where sexual immorality is, well, pretty much a way of life. Everywhere you looked, you would see it, even in the way that people worshipped. And when you're surrounded by a culture, it's very easy to just try to blend in with that culture. The situation that Paul's talking about here is a man who is sleeping with his stepmother, presumably, but it seems even to outsiders, those outside of the church, that's not right. That should not be happening. And again, it's not just what the, what the man is doing. It's the fact that they are boasting about it. They've obviously misunderstood what freedom in Jesus means. Freedom does not mean that you can just do, do whatever you want. Back in the 1970s, and those of us who are old enough will probably remember this group, there was a Christian cult called the Children of God. Uh, they were, they, as part of their organisation, uh, they encouraged the women who were part of the group to be what they called flirty fishers. Uh, David Berg, who was the founder of the organisation, saw that flirty fishing was really just an extension of being fishermen for God, uh, for the for the fishing people and bringing them into the kingdom. The media had a field day with Mr Berg and his cult. Uh, he the, the media called them hookers for Jesus, which was a lovely thought. And Berg thought that they had the freedom to do that. In the annual report of the organisation, he actually boasted about this, about these flirty fishers, how they have witnessed to a quarter of a million souls have loved 25,000 of them and won about 19,000 to the Lord. Paul says the Corinthians are acting shamefully. They're not to tolerate, let alone boast about what's happening in their church. It's not a testimony to their freedom. It's a testimony to the fact that they don't really get what it means to follow Jesus. Paul says that they are to remove that man from the fellowship for his own good and for the good of the rest of the church. Now it seems that the Corinthians have at the very least misunderstood or misapplied something that Paul has said in an earlier letter and Paul had already told them in an earlier letter that they weren't to associate with sexually immoral people. They seem to have taken that to mean not in contact with immoral people out there in society. But that wasn't what Paul meant. Pick it up in verse number, uh, chapter 5, verse number 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with people who claim to be brothers or sisters but as sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Don't even eat with such people. They'd made the mistake of thinking that they could refrain from contact with those evil people outside in the world from the immoral but what Paul meant was that they shouldn't associate with people who call themselves Christians and yet continue to live in a way that seems to indicate they don't even know what it means to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, Paul goes so far as to say 
that you shouldn't judge people outside of the church. Let me say that again. We shouldn't be judging people outside of the church. Why? Well, verse 12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church, Paul says? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Now, I think this is a lesson that the church needs to continually remember. Christians can often think that we are to separate ourselves off from the rest of the world. There was a a, a strong thinking that, that people would do that sort of thing. Monasteries were about that. They were places where you could hide from the, from the evil world and just mix with the godly people. People trying to hide away from the real world. But that's not what Christians are called to do. And that's not what Paul's talking about. We're actually to live in this world and we're not to judge the world for the way that it lives. Did you see what Paul says there in verse number nine? I wrote to you in my letter, not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning people of this world who are immoral or greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Those who are outside of the church, do you know what their basic problem is? They don't know Jesus. They have no reason to live any other way. And it's not our place as Christians to pass judgment on the way that other people live. Jump ahead to chapter 6 and find verse number 9. Paul comes back to this issue of sexual immorality and the freedom that we have as followers of Jesus. So how should we live as followers of Jesus? Paul's just said that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom and then he gives a list uh, there in verses 9 and 10. Now let's be clear, he is not saying commit any of these sins and you can never be saved. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying if you slip up in any of these areas, well you could never go to heaven. He's not saying mess up once and you're no longer a follower of Jesus. See, he lists off these things, sexual immorality, idolaters, thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers. He's saying that if people live like this, then they can't make a claim to be followers of Jesus. They can't claim to be Christians. You can't say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus and then just live however you want to live. You're following Jesus. You're seeking to to live by that model, by that example that Jesus set for us. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, then your life needs to start looking more and more like Jesus every day. Go down to verse 12 in chapter 6. You notice there's some quotation marks in there. It seems as though Paul is quoting the Corinthians and then attempts to correct their mistaken thinking. So verse number 12, chapter 6, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both. 
The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Again, it comes back to what it means to have freedom. Paul was a firm believer that those who follow Jesus have a great freedom in their relationship with him. Through Jesus, we have been set free from sin and death. Through Jesus, we have been set free to follow Jesus. The Corinthians seem to think that freedom means just keep living the way that you did before you became a Christian. We have the freedom to do that. But that's not what Paul is saying. That tension can be there as followers of Jesus today. It's always going to be with us. That tension to feel that, well, we have the freedom to be able to do these things. There's a great quote from uh, one of the early bishops of the church, uh, Augustine, who said this as the summary of the Christian life. Love God and do whatever you please. Now, I'm guessing, like me, you're probably a little shocked by what he says there, but this is what he goes on to say. For the soul trained to love God, uh, trained in love to God, will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. Love God and do as you please. That is a great summary of the Christian life. Love God and do whatever you please. If you genuinely love God, you won't do those things that displease God. If you love God, then you'll love living a life to please him. In the New Testament, it's that, that idea is, uh, is repeat, repeated a number of times. I was going to say this about the monasteries as well. I've got my slides a bit mixed up. This is a monastery in Greece. You can see the little kind of cable car thing that they use for transferring food across there. Uh, they thought that by being completely separated from the world they would be in a safer place, that they wouldn't have to worry about, about sin intruding on them. Well, that's just a bit naive, isn't it? Have they not read Lord of the Ring, uh, Lord of the Flies? But Paul says this to the Galatians. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And then in 1 Peter we read this, live as free people but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God. Okay, practical application from this passage, two things. First thing is this, don't judge the world. I think that's one area where we do need to take great care as Christians. Christians can often come across as being incredibly judgmental. We give the impression that if they wanted to be accepted by God, those people out there, if they want to be accepted by God, well, they're going to have to lift their game. They're going to have to change their lifestyle. They're going to have to clean up their act before we'd even dream of allowing them to be a part of our group. We can give the impression that salvation is about what you do rather than by God's grace, what God has done for you. And we can often give the impression that Christians are here to roll out a moral code, not a plan of salvation. 
The lifestyle of the Christian is changed because of what God has done for us. Thought I had another slide there. I'm doing well today. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this is what Paul says. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Did you see what it says in that verse? Chapter 6, verse 11. It's not about what you've done. It's all about what God has done for you. God has washed you. God has sanctified you. God has justified you. You have a reason to live a different life. You have a reason to live a changed life because of what God has done for you. And that's the message we ought to be presenting to our society, to our world. But the other practical application from this is how are you going to use the freedom that you now have? That's the other thing that comes out in this passage. You need to take great care how we use that freedom that we now have. Are you using your freedom that you have in Jesus? The freedom that you have is to serve God. The freedom that you have is to serve others. In Jesus we have been set free, set free to serve one another. Set free to serve God. Set free to live a life that pleases him. Libby's going to pray for us. Let's pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, for Luke's message today. Thank you, Lord, for your gift of grace. Help us to remember what you have done for us. You saved us through Jesus. Help us to love and not to judge. Change the areas of our lives to be more like you. Help us to focus on you. We are freed by your forgiveness. Strengthen us to change our behaviour so that Jesus' glory can be seen in and through our lives. Lord, let everyone see we love you. Lord, give us new minds this week to perceive fresh possibilities in ordinary things. May your word feed us and your spirit lead us into the week. In Jesus' name, amen.